Welcome to the Manager Track, the leadership podcast where we help ambitious managers across the ranks become confident and competent leaders people love to work for. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw. If you've ever had moments when you were doubting yourself and you had thoughts such as, I don't belong here, or I don't deserve this, or maybe I bit off too much than I can chew, or I got this only because of pure luck, or if I was really smart, then this wouldn't be so hard. If any of these were thoughts that you had in the past, then this episode is for you because we're going to talk about the imposter syndrome. Now, on all the thoughts that I just told you, the underlying theme is that there is a feeling that you might not be good enough, that you might not deserve the success that you have and the accomplishments, that you still need to prove yourself and you need to prove your worth because you're not quite there. Now listen, if this applies to you, you are not alone. In fact, research shows that about 70% of the population deal with the imposter syndrome either occasionally or all the time. 70%. Let me repeat that. And this includes names such as Tom Hanks, Cheryl Sandbrook, Jennifer Lopez, Maya Angelou, uh, Serena Williams, just to name a few. The list goes on. But these are people who have come forward and talked openly and publicly about their imposter syndrome. So clearly, this is no longer taboo. It's not making you wrong in any way. It's not a weakness or a flaw that you have. It is simply one of the things that most of us experience in life and something that we deal with. Now, the way the imposter syndrome shows up is usually in one of the following four ways. It could be anxiety. It could show up as perfectionism and this drive to make everything look perfect. It could show up as self-doubt or as fear of failure. Now, if you had those thoughts and you've experienced any of those four symptoms, then listen closely because this could heavily impact not only your overall quality of life, but also your career. Because what happens when we're at the effect of the imposter syndrome, we might try to fly under the radar at work or we might procrastinate. We might self-sabotage because we don't think that we deserve it, that we should be here. Or if perfectionism is something that's driving you, this could turn into workaholism. So flying under the radar, not speaking up enough, not taking the lead when you could, doubting yourself as a manager, procrastinating on things, self-sabotaging, or this immense overdrive for perfectionism, those are side effects that are costly to your career and can really derail you from your success, but also your happiness. Because the underlying theme, as I said, is that feeling that you're not good enough. And if you're not addressing where this is coming from and you're not learning how to deal with those thoughts in your head, No matter how successful you will be, this will not go away. You might think, well, once I have my PhD or once I am a VP or once I am reaching this other promotion or this other career goal, then I will feel accomplished. Then I will be satisfied. Then I will be happy. But I've seen this so many times, right? And there's so much research on this that we know for sure, even when you get there, 
that next goal, that next milestone will already be set and sort of the horizon will continuously move and you'll never quite get there for the rest of your life. You will try to go for something that is not achievable unless you do this work on your thoughts. Now, speaking of thoughts, I want to give you a very specific example of something that came up uh, in a coaching conversation with a client. So I'm going to read this to you because this is a transcript from a conversation um, that I had. I think I shortened it a little bit to make the point. But here is what this sounds like so that you get a better idea how this can show up at work. Client says, I've been working for the same company for the past three years and have been doing really well there. I got promoted almost every year, races in every performance review and nothing but praises and minor feedback on how to hone my skills and so forth. Logically, I know everyone thinks I'm doing a good job and people seem to really like and respect me. And don't get me wrong, this is all awesome. Except that deep down, my gut tells me that I don't deserve the praise that I keep getting and that I have no idea what I'm doing leading this team. And that everyone is going to find out. So this is a real life scenario, right? This is also how you can see that no matter what this person will accomplish and achieve, she will never actually get to overcome that inner feeling, no matter how many promotions she gets and no matter how much money she'll make. Now, let me say something here about gender. This excerpt is from a conversation with a female client while women tend to suffer from the imposter symptom slightly more than men, men are affected by this as well. But the reason why women and members of other traditionally underrepresented groups deal with this more so than others is because for them, it's easy to look around and feel out of place or like they don't belong. And socially, they've been conditioned to self-deprecate and downplay their abilities. So over generation, we internalize these messages that we're not the real deal or that we're not good enough. And then as a result, this is a thought pattern that's more likely to hit women and other traditionally underrepresented groups. Now, when people come to me and they want to work on their imposter syndrome and try to get rid of it, then the hope is that we will do some work and then they'll walk out or they end the engagement and they'll free themselves from the imposter syndrome and sort of move into that 30% of the population, that pile of people who no longer suffer from the imposter syndrome. Now, I have to break it to you because the likelihood of that happening is fairly slim because feelings are the last to change. If you heard me talk before, then you know the framework and the concept that I use with my clients, which is that our thoughts trigger our feelings and our feelings trigger our actions. So we have to go back and start with the thoughts. And this is, in fact, great news because we can change our thoughts. Yes, you are not at the effect of your thoughts. You can influence what you're thinking. And therefore, because your thoughts trigger your feelings, you'll be able to work on how you feel. Will you get rid of the imposter syndrome completely? Likely not. People who've done this and they do research on this and this is their life's work, and they may be 70 years old, 60 years old, they still occasionally feel the imposter syndrome. But what success really looks like is that you're no longer having that imposter life and instead you can have imposter moments. 
So the way we get to this, and I'm going to talk about the thought framework first, and then I'm going to give you a few practical tips. But to start off, because this is really the foundational work that you need to do, is to start looking at your thoughts. In a moment when you start feeling anxious or you notice your drive to perfectionism kick in or when you have self-doubt and you don't feel like you belong here or that you get found out you might be a fraud or that you don't deserve, look at the thoughts that you're telling yourself and then notice the feeling that those thoughts trigger. When you do this, and I highly recommend that you write those thoughts down. What we do now is we want to try on the thoughts that the people have who do not suffer from imposter syndrome. Because the only difference between people with imposter syndrome and people without imposter syndrome is their thinking, nothing else. Which also means that we need to simply change our thoughts, up-level our thoughts. And to do so, we're using this concept of a thought ladder. So once you put down your thoughts that you're currently thinking... Make a big fat line underneath or switch to a new page and write down the thoughts that you want to be thinking. The thoughts that would make you feel competent, that would make you feel deserving, that would make you feel like you're exactly in the right place, that make you feel confident. So let's take an example. What I was reading to you is this woman who has who received the promotions and the raises and she gets positive feedback but sort of still feels like she doesn't deserve it in her case her current thoughts are I don't deserve the praise that I keep getting I don't know how I'm leading this teen and what I should be doing here everyone is going to find out now what she wants to be thinking in order to feel confident and that she's owning her success and be doubt free and feel that she's in the right place. She would need to think things such as, I deserve the praise. I really did a great job at this. I'm in exactly the right place. I'm exactly where I should be. I know how to lead my team. I trust my team and I trust myself. I was chosen to be here and I choose to be here. We're a perfect match. I belong here right? So these are a few examples of how she could reframe her thoughts. Now, in some cases, this may feel like a big stretch. So for example, if she'd say, I would need to think, I'm an amazing creative designer. I'm the best creative designer in my company. Well, she might not think this is true, right? It would feel too much of a stretch. Then start off by saying, I'm as good of a creative designer as everyone else here. That is the concept of the ladder. So if whatever you think you need to feel, that goal thought, the desired thought is too much of a stretch and it would feel ridiculous for you to think it, I still invite you to give it a shot. But if you need to climb a step down, then simply think something in between current thought and desired thought. This is how we're building the ladder. And then you start thinking that thought over and over again. I ask my clients to write down those thoughts every single day, to write them down and hang them on the side of their wall next to their computer, to program them as reminders into their phones so that they're constantly reminded. I know how to lead my team. I'm exactly in the right place. I deserve this promotion. I'm an amazing creative designer. I'm a badass financial advisor. I'm the best talent recruiter I know. These are the things that you want to feed your brain. 
Now, when I was a child, my dad used to say, when you think new thoughts, it's a bit like walking in the snow for the first time. Now, bear with me because I grew up in Switzerland and there was a lot of snow. So snow was sort of the analogy that we use for a lot of things. So he used to say, thinking something new is like walking in the deep snow. It's sort of hard, right? To put your foot in and then you have to lift the leg up and take a next step and it feels a little cumbersome. Now, on the other side, you would see a path that you've walked hundreds of times, if not thousands of times. It'd be very easy. You probably almost glide on that path because you've walked it so many times. So your brain stands there and sees sort of the shortcut to your goal, which is walking through the deep snow, or it sees that the detour, but that one looks like a way easier path. Your brain says, let's go easy and we'll want to walk the path that you've walked to many times before. But that's not where we want to go. Because that is the detour. That is what's going to get you stuck. That is what's going to cost you money in your career because you're not speaking up. You're not getting the promotions. You're self-sabotaging. Or your desire for perfectionism is going to make you a micromanager. Or it's just going to slow you down in your career. So we're not want to go there. No, instead we want to take the straight line to our goals. And that's going to have us walk through the deep snow. It will feel a little awkward. It will feel a little bit more uncomfortable. It will be harder but it's worth the effort. So think about those thoughts, those goal thoughts, desired thoughts that you want to feed your brain with. And listen, if you say, I can't change my thoughts, then let's talk because there's so much there that you can change with your thoughts. Once you understand how much influence and power we have and we own, it's going to make a huge difference. So if you're new to this framework, let me blow your mind and let's chat. But if you're already bought into this concept, right, and you understand how much influence we have over our thoughts, then this will be an easy next step for you to recognize The only difference between someone with imposter syndrome and someone without imposter syndrome is their thoughts and I can influence my thoughts. Then the solution to the problem is to feed myself new thoughts that are better and are serving me more so that I'm not at the effect of anxiety, perfectionism, self-doubt, worry, fear of failure and so forth. Instead, I feel confident, I feel secure, I feel competent I own the room, I own my space, I own my role. Now, as I said earlier, the chance that you will completely eradicate any self-doubt or fear or anxiety is fairly unlikely. But you'll be able to quickly snap out of it because you start recognizing this thought I don't like, this thought is not serving me, go away, thanks so much, and farewell. And then here's the new thought that I want to feed my brain. And this new thought is what's going to drive your actions. Because the thought will drive your feelings, so then you start feeling confident and secure, and you will take action from that place versus from an anxious, fearful, or doubtful place. Right? So your thought comes in, even if it's doubtful, you're not going to act on that one, you're going to listen to it, and you're going to say goodbye. You're looking at the new thought. This is the new thought that's going to trigger your new feeling and that not that new feeling is going to drive your new actions. Now, as you're going on this journey, and I hope that you do and give this a try, know that this is a process, right? So don't beat yourself up if you have those self-doubts. Um, that, that just would be more self-doubt about the self-doubt, which is ridiculous, right? So let that come in, let it go, feel it, Move slowly, gradually, feed in a new thoughts 
and it will take a while to get there, but I promise you will reap the benefits. Now, of course, there's a few more tactical things that I want to leave you with, as I promised in the beginning of this episode. So let's talk about those. The first thing that you can do is to force yourself to look at evidence and facts. Something I highly recommend is that you create a list of accomplishments. So actually and factually write down all the things that you've achieved since go back to kindergarten if you want to, right? Spend good 20, if not 45 minutes by yourself with a sheet of paper and a pen in front of you or a computer in front of you and start typing down all the things or writing down all the things that you've achieved in your life, the accomplishments and not subjective, but objective and then keep looking at those and by the way if you are in shop search mode right now this is particularly important because your confidence is going to drive a lot of your actions and resilience in the job search process and so feed yourself the evidence and the fact about all the things that you've accomplished and you've done well look at past performance reviews look at past positive feedback and appraise But then also ask for feedback. If you feel like something didn't go well, before you make that conclusion that's driven by self-doubt, ask a few colleagues of like, hey, factually, what went well and what didn't? Because the chances are high that you're thinking way too much about what didn't go well and you're ignoring all the positive things. Versus people on the other side, they experience you mainly positive and maybe they have a couple of things that they would suggest you change. But getting that feedback can help you get a more objective perspective of how things went. And then my third tip is to ask for help. This imposter syndrome is something that we should talk about. I hope that you're building a support system around you in your career. That's something that I help my clients do, that I do with the leadership circle, to bring people together that support one another. Uh, and share with them when you're in a moment of self-doubt. Let them help you and affirm you or support you and neutralize your thoughts so that you don't feel everyone else is doing way better. I mean, just look at social media, right? Everyone's doing great. Look at LinkedIn and all the new promotions and exciting projects. And then here is you and you feel like you're different than anyone else. When you have the support system available and the open and honest conversations, you'll quickly notice how everyone is dealing with the same issues and challenges and that you're not alone. Now, let me recap. Tip number one was to look at evidence and facts and you start writing down your list of accomplishments if you haven't already. Tip number two was to ask for feedback and inputs from others so that your perspective and view and perception of things is a little bit more objective. And then third is to ask for help and build your support system and talk to them about it so that they can support you and neutralize your feelings when you have self-doubt and you feel like this is impacting your work, such as self-sabotaging, the procrastination, trying to fly under the radar or not speaking up, workaholism. Now, as a bonus tip, if you're a leader and you notice that someone on your team is struggling with imposter syndrome based on the things that they say. If you praise them, they find excuses and reasons why this went well. Maybe it was luck. Maybe it was the other people. It was coincidence, right? They don't quite own it. And trying to be humble is not the reason for it. But you have a hunch that this imposter syndrome is at the core of the issue. 
then help them neutralize and help them talk about it. Say things such as, hey, if you if you feel doubtful about this, or if you have self-doubt, or if you have feelings like you don't deserve it, know that this is normal. This is something that we all experience. In fact, I've experienced this a while ago, or I still deal with this. Whatever is applicable and adequate to share, uh, I encourage you to help them see how normal this is, so neutralizing the feeling and helping them talk about it and then finding a way that you can support them. So if you found this helpful, and if you know someone who's dealing with imposter syndrome or has dealt with it in the past, and you think they would find it valuable as well, please share it along. I would so much appreciate it. And if you're interested in building that support system around you and have those open, honest conversations and dialogues around challenges that we face in the workplace, especially for leaders, then check out the Leadership Circle, which you can find more details on by visiting www.ramonashaw.com forward slash leadership dash circle. I hope to speak to you soon, or I'll catch you next week with another episode of the Manager Track podcast. If you love this show, then you'll love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.